So good to see you in God's house today. Today is Palm Sunday. Make sure you take some invites. Invite somebody for next week. Next Sunday is going to be off the chain. God, I'm, I'm just really excited about what God's getting ready to do. And uh, Easter is one of those days that you just, you don't want to miss it. So get yourself ready and invite somebody. Christy and I are doing that. I think our neighbors are tired of us inviting them. It's all good, though. One of these days they're going to show up. God's going to change some things in their life. Love it. Oh, we just have two more weeks for the GSR uh, campaign. Uh, it ends on Easter Sunday. So you, you basically have another week to do a service project to bring two pounds of food, $3 if you're a child, and $30 for adults that are gonna, that's going to bless CASA. And uh, so take one of those cards out there and, and be a part of that, and it's going to be a, a major blessing in our community as 21 churches have come together to, to minister to our community. So one Sunday morning, the priest noticed little Alex standing in the foyer of the church, staring up at a large plaque. It was covered with names with small American flags mounted on either side of it. And the seven-year-old had, had been staring at the plaque for some time. So the priest walked up, stood beside the little boy, and said quietly, Good morning, Alex. Morning, Father, he replied, still focused on the plaque. What, what is this? He asked the priest. He said, well, son, it's a memorial to all the young men and women who died in the service. Soberly, they just stood together staring at the large plaque, and finally little Alex's voice, barely audible and trembling with fear, said, which service, the 9 o'clock or the 11? <laughs> it's good for Christy and I to be home back with you. Uh, we missed you last Sunday. Uh, I turned 59 last week. But, but I got to share that celebration. I guess it's a celebration at this point. Every year is a celebration, right? I'm still living. I'm still, my heart's still ticking. Praise the Lord. I'm still uh, got strength and energy to do what God's called me to do. Nothing quite like that. My message this morning is entitled, I'm on a mission. Say that with me. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission. It's Palm Sunday, and uh, I'm on a mission. But last Sunday, we were uh, able to honor my, my father and my mother, who had pastored the same church for 52 years. It was quite a celebration. Um, over a hundred people have gone out into ministry from that church under my mom and dad's leadership. And they're all over the world, missionaries, um, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and, and God has just uh, used them over their 63 years, I believe, of ministry and has use their lives to impact so many others. And sometimes, you know, uh, and I told my dad this, some, sometimes you look at the, 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 the chairs 
that aren't filled and you wonder, am I really making a difference? But the reality is those who have gone out from under their ministry who have been impacted by their lives, if we brought all the people that they've ministered to and the people that they've ministered to and the people that they've ministered to, they wouldn't fit in that building. The building seats 1,200 people, but they wouldn't fit in there. It'd be much larger than that. And so I'm just thinking of the, of the multiple hundreds of thousands of people that just their kids, their physical kids have ministered to. My brother, my sister, my other sister and her husband, and, and, uh, and I guess mo both my sisters have husbands, don't they? But, yeah. And, and just to see the, the impact of a life well-lived. And so we, we had a chance to honor them, um, celebrate their life while they're still alive. Now my dad's 83. My mom will be 84. Um, and so, and my mom has always said, don't, 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 do not give me any flowers at my funeral. Don't waste the money then. If you're going to give me flowers, give them to me now. <laughs> and I told her that day, I said, you know, we don't have flowers for you today, but we've got some words that are more impactful than flowers. So we were just able to bless them uh, for two hours in, in the service last Sunday. So what a blessing. A lot of videos and people that came back and, and shared of the impact that they've had. So thank you for allowing us to be gone. It was kind of a, a spur-of-the-moment thing, and, and um, what a blessing to be able to just bless them. I don't know how much longer they'll have, but uh, they're still making an impact, and God is still using them. I want to say thank you to all, all of those who worked around here so hard the last couple of weeks. Uh, new signs on the building? Come on. Those are beautiful. Uh, thank you guys for hanging those. Uh, what, a, what a blessing. Our, our landlord, Tim McGrory, down here at uh, McGrory's, whatever you call that. Yeah, they do granite and all that kind of stuff. They've got this machine that routed out the, those uh, signs for us. And they just blessed us with that. And so what a blessing. Um, you say, well, how much did you spend? Less than $200, I think, on the materials. So, they're nice signs. Yeah, what a blessing. And many of you came and, and helped repurpose the kids' room. It's so, uh, I love it in there. I, I loved walking in there yesterday and just, wow, I like this. And the glow-in-the-dark egg hunt today, it's going to be fun. And uh, if you haven't got your Easter bunny picks today, get on it. Christy and I got ours, and we're spreading the word Something's happening at the power place. Next Sunday's Easter. I, I can't tell you how excited I am to share the in-between. We all know about Friday. It was a tough day. Jesus Christ was crucified. A lot happened on Friday. 
We know about Sunday because that's when he rose from the dead. But there's nothing written about Saturday. It's kind of in between. I want to talk about that next Sunday. And don't you miss it. You get, get as many people as you can here. God's going to touch their life, I believe, in a very powerful way. Invite somebody. We're going to talk about Silent Saturday. Yeah. I'm on a mission. You ever been on a mission? You kind of put your head down. You're going for it. You, you don't want to be bothered. Don't, no distractions. Don't, don't talk to me. I'm on a mission. That's how I go grocery shopping. Or any kind of shopping. Christmas shopping, I'm on a mission. I know what I want. I know where the store is. I don't have to walk through the whole thing. I'm just, I, I, I can park right outside the door of where I'm going. I, I can get there. I'm on a mission. Christy, on the other hand, <laughs> it's a shiny thing. Oh. Come on. Or she goes to the grocery store and, you know, I go with a list. If it's not on the list, it ain't getting in the basket. Can I hear from some men in this place today? Come on. I, I, I go to the grocery store with the Christians. It's like everything's coming in the basket. That's, it says new on it. Put it in. Put it in the basket. It's new. Right? But I... I uh, I believe God has given each of us a mission, and, and some people live in that frame of mind. They don't want to be bothered. Don't, don't, don't uh, get me distracted at all. My eyes are set on the task at hand. I'm pushing forward no matter what's in the way. And yet, and Jesus Christ was on a mission. Our Lord and Savior, he came to this earth on a mission and he carried out his mission in a totally different way because people were his mission. And when people are your mission, things are different. Because distractions mean I have an opportunity to touch somebody with love, the love of God. Someone has said ministry is what happens when you're on the way to do something else. You'll notice throughout the Gospels that that Jesus was always distracted by people. Everybody's coming and touching him and tapping him on the shoulder and coming to him and saying, hey, hey, hey. And he was headed somewhere, but he always took the time for those people because his mission was people. And he was never looking beyond the one in front of him to see if there was someone more important. You ever meet people like that? I, uh, there are times when I, I meet people and, and they're always just looking over your shoulder. Somebody else need, need, oh yeah. And they're not focused. Jesus was never looking for something more important. He knew why he had come and he knew why he was here to do what God had called him to do. He never lost sight of why he was here. It was his mission. And he stated his mission in John chapter 10, verse 10. If you look there with me real quick, it'll be on the screen for you. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come 
My mission is that they may have life and have it to the full. I've come to give people life. I've come to bring them back from that, that dead state they've been in and give them life. And life, not just life here, but life here and now and later on. Eternal life. I've come that they might have life to the, the fullest extent possible. And that's what God does when he touches our lives. He gives us real life. And I was reading in, in this week in the Bible in preparation for this Palm Sunday. The reason we call it Palm Sunday is because that's the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, right, to, to fulfill the prophecy. He, he told his disciples, go, I got a donkey waiting for me. And so they got the donkeys, brought them back to Jesus. He sat on the donkey, starts riding into Jerusalem. People are excited, and they, they take these palm branches and start waving them like he's a king. And they lay their cloaks down on the, on the road so the donkey can walk over the cloak. It's like they're rolling out the red carpet for this, this king. In their minds, he was the king of the Jews. But in reality, he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And there was no one greater than him. And though he didn't try to push that, he was that. And so they waved palm branches and they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Praise the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they declared who he was and praise. And it was just one of those moments where things were right. And, and the disciples didn't really fully understand it. Kind of like us today. You ever been in one of those moments where you just don't fully quite get it? And you're thinking, what's going on here? And yet God is always working. God is always doing his thing. It was an incredible day. Things changed quickly, though, which always seems to be the case, right? But today I want to focus on what happened right before this momentous occasion. Right before what we celebrate today is Palm Sunday. Something I read this week in, in the chapter before, it, it got in my spirit and just kind of, disturbed me a bit. John chapter 11. I want you to go there with me today. John chapter 11, verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair, preparing him for burial, right? Remember that? And her brother Lazarus was sick. It's the second time we hear that. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very, what's it say? Sick. Three times it's mentioned. Lazarus is sick. Something's going on with him. Notice verse 4. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although, somebody say although. 
Although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, Lazarus, although he knew he was sick, although he knew he was very sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And some of you are in that although state. You're thinking, what? Are you kidding me? I told you he was bad. Come on. Do something. And we almost have this, this attitude with God. And yet, although he loves us, it seems like he's doing nothing. And he stayed where he was for the next two days. Verse 7, finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? I mean, they're trying to kill you. And Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there's dangerous stumbling because they have no light. And some of us are in a night season right now. We're in danger of stumbling. But Jesus said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get soon better. And they thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. And Thomas, named the, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. Because <laughs> he's like, they were trying to stone you last time you were here, and, and they haven't given up on that. They want to kill you. So, hey, if you're going, I guess we'll go and die with you. <laughs> I like him. <laughs> and when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. And sometimes you need those people around you, but other times you need somebody to step in and do something more than just console you. You need somebody who's got a word from God. You need somebody in your life who will step in and, and speak the life of God into you. If you don't have that, you need to find somebody. You need to call somebody. Say, hey, I'm down. I need, I need some, pray for me. Pray for me. Speak some life into me. Come on. And, and so she was surrounded with, with uh, these consolers. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. 
You see, you got to get that down in your spirit. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. And it doesn't matter if you die in this world, there's life after death. And when Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, you get life eternal in heaven with him. What a gift. What a promise. Hallelujah. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come for, into the world from God. And then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher's here and he wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. And when the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. And when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said the exact same thing Martha did. Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And she's crying. She's upset. Because she knew if Jesus just would have come a couple of days ago, if Jesus just would have come when, when we told him, Things would be different now. And so we, we get upset at Jesus. We get upset at God for not doing what we think needs to be done right now. And yet he's got a plan. He always has a plan. Touch your neighbor and say, God's got a plan. God's working. He's got a plan. Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if only you'd have been here, wouldn't have had to gone through this whole mess with cancer. Lord, if only you'd have showed up, I wouldn't have this mess in my family. Lord, really, Lord? I mean, I've been talking to you about this situation for how long, and nothing's changed. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. And I'm reading this story that I've read so many times, and this leaped off the page at me. When Jesus saw her weeping and everybody wailing with her, a deep anger rose up in him. He's like, I'm on a mission, and y'all don't get it. He was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. One of my favorite scriptures as a kid because we had to memorize so many scriptures and that was a good one. Jesus wept. A couple of words. Shortest verse in the Bible. <laughs> and he's weeping, but there's something churning on the inside of him. He's angry. Jesus is angry. And so the tears begin to flow. 
The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? Some said, this man healed the blind man. Could, couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? And verse 38 says, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. He ain't getting over it. Something's triggered inside of him. And he was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. And I've always kind of read this passage, you know, thinking Jesus walks in and says, Lazarus, come forth, and, and everything's good. But, but I'm seeing a different side here of Jesus. I'm seeing something's going on in him, and he, he's got this idea that nobody else has. He's got a plan that nobody else can see. And he knows what's going to happen. Nobody else gets it. Everybody's down and depressed and, and sad and crying and weeping and weeping. Jesus been here. And he's like, I know what's going on. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And that's right. Because when you ever been around, yeah, never mind. It, but you, you've gone by roadkill, right? And your, your air's on and it just kind of comes in. It's like, whoa, I don't know how many days that's been dead, but it was, ew, that stinks. You ever been around somebody who's dead spiritually? And they smell bad too. Right? It's not an outside odor. It kind of comes from the inside. It's, it's just what happens when you are dead. You smell terrible. And you don't even know it. Because normally you hang out with everybody else who smells bad. We had a, well, yeah. Okay, I'm going to take you back a few years. I was a choir director as part of some of my job, and, and, and uh, I was leading our choir, and there was this one guy in the choir who didn't really know much about hygiene. Didn't wash his clothes, didn't use deodorant, didn't, you know, that stuff that needs to be done, Right? Just nudge your neighbor. See, that needs to be done, okay? Come on. Clean it, clean it up. <laughs> take a bath. Take a shower. Come on. But, yeah, we had to talk to him and say, hey, I know you probably don't smell this, but everybody else does, and we've got to do something about this. And so we helped him. Okay, never mind. <clears throat> He's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? And realize he's still angry. Didn't I tell you? I've already told you something and you don't believe it. I've already spoken to you and that should be enough. Because I am the Word, the Word of the living God. 
I spoke the world into existence. I have told you already. So they rolled the stone aside. Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here who are deaf. No, he didn't say who are deaf. <laughs> so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted. Now, we don't record many times in the, in the Bible where Jesus shouted, but he shouted, Lazarus, come out! And I got to think in myself, there's still some anger going on here. He is done with this situation, and it's time to bring life out of death. Lazarus, come out! And as he shouts, something begins to happen. The dead man came out. His hands and feet bound in grave clothes. His face wrapped in a head cloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him and let him go. Exclamation point. Jesus had come to give life, life to the fullest. There aren't many times when we see Jesus angry, but this is one of those moments. There was more going on here than what human eyes could see. There was a deeper purpose, a mission to be fulfilled, and Jesus was the only one who could see it. And I believe that's what made him angry. Because he'd been with these guys... For three and a half years, he'd poured his life into them, and yet they couldn't see it yet. And now it was time to do something. His time was, had come, and this moment was a precursor to the resurrection life that he was about to bring to the whole world in the next few days. John chapter 3 tells us, verse 16, for this is how we know God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. And that's what everybody thinks. Jesus came to judge me. He didn't come to judge you but to save you. He came to save the world through him. Listen, the enemy has come to steal and, 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 and Jesus has come to bring life. The enemy's come to put you to death but Jesus has come to give you brand new life. And after he gives new life to Lazarus, he tells his disciples, unwrap him and let him go. And I'm going to tell you today, that's our mission. I'm on a mission, and so should you be. Unwrap them and let them go. Jesus gives new life, and he calls us to unwrap them and let them go. Help them get their grave clothes off. Come on now. Help them get the dead stuff off of them. Unwrap their head. Last week, Landon so eloquently talked about our mission. He said our mission is to become aware, to commit to prayer, show them that you care, and be ready to share. Become aware, 
People are lost and dying. Get your eyes wide open. Realize why you're here. Commit to praying for them. Commit to prayer. Show them that you care. Because nobody really cares what you know until they know how much you care. And fourthly, be ready to share. And I want to add one more. Give them some air. Say that with me. Give them some air. Unwrap their head. Give them some air. We were in Davenport, Iowa. We were traveling. We were with our, our friends, and we were at a pizza place. Happy Joe's Pizza. You've never been there, but it's good stuff. And after we were eating, our kids were just running around playing, and they had gotten some gobstoppers. And the little girl that was with us, Sarah, she had placed a gobstopper in her mouth, and as she was running, she sucked in, and it lodged in her throat, and she couldn't breathe. And she passed out. And she's laying on the sidewalk right outside of Happy Joe's. Her dad was a chiropractor, and he was doing all kinds of maneuvers trying to get her to, to pop that thing back out. And it looked like she was going to die. And he yelled, get, give me a knife. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> He's, he was going to give her a trait. And as, as she was laying there, her body finally relaxed, and it popped out. But as we were all standing around, he kept yelling, give her some air. Give her some air. And I'm just wondering how many people are, are lost and dying without Jesus, and they just need us to give them some air, to unwrap them and let them go so they can breathe again. It's time to get on mission. Sometimes we forget why we're here. Anybody guilty of that? I mean, the culture we live in is forever pulling us off center. It's like a car with wheels that are out of alignment. You ever drive a car like that? It's just pulling you, pulling you, always pulling you one way, trying to get you off center, off center, so you fight it. And you keep fighting it, and you keep pulling back. And, and eventually, if you get tired enough, you just let it go, and it's going to take you off into the ditch. And sometimes our lives are like that, and we get off center. We allow that, that pull to take us off where we should be. And you don't really want to drive very long with a car that's out of alignment. You get tired of it. And culture tells us it's all about us. It's all about you. I did it my way. It's kind of our theme song, isn't it? It's all about me. Eat, drink, and be merry. We start to think that we're on this earth to get ahead and prepare for retirement and enjoy as many pleasures as possible. Make more money so we can stock it away. Don't be inconvenienced. I want to live a plush life get my own way, and, and, and yet Jesus redirects us. He says, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Look what's going on here. Look on the fields. They're white for harvest. Harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. 
Time to get back in the game. Time to get back on mission. Wake up. Get your wheels aligned. Get your heart aligned. Get your mind aligned. Realize why you're here. Got a job to do. Give them some air. Find it interesting in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Apostle Paul writes to this church at Ephesus and he says, Be angry. And sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. But I think there's times when this, this anger that was in Jesus at this moment needs to get inside of us. It's time to get angry at the right stuff. And sometimes it's time to get angry at ourselves. Say, hey, dude, wake up. Seriously, what are you here for? You're not here just to to survive and make a living and you're here to make a difference. God has called us. I wonder if there's a point in which we need to get a little angry at what we see happening around us. Begin to understand our mission because people are lost and dying without Jesus and we need to understand our mission. We need to get angry at the enemy for snuffing life out of people that Jesus came to set free. Amen. We need to get the angry at the enemy that is making people stink when they should be carrying the fragrance of Jesus. It's time for something to rise up inside of us and say, you know what? I'm on a mission. I'm not just going to live and exist. I'm on a mission. God has placed his spirit inside of me, and I've got to make a difference in somebody else's life. I need to get angry that some people can't breathe. I need to be able to bring the, the breath of God into their life. I need to get angry at myself for getting so off course. Jesus understood his mission. And his anger rose up to accomplish his purpose. And then he passes that on to us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, I'll close with, with this scripture today. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Hallelujah. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. All, all the junk is gone. Now I got new life. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Touch your neighbor and say, tag, you're it. Tag, you're it. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's great news. That's the best news you ever got. God is not counting your sins against you any longer when you've got new life in Christ. You say, well, what do I tell them about? Tell them that. God paid the price for your sin. You don't have to live in it any longer. You can have new life, life to the fullest. And then it says, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Good news. God's not mad at you. God loves you. He paid the price for you. 
And we, Carrie, we are on a mission with this wonderful news of reconciliation. So he says in verse 20, we are Christ's ambassadors. I represent him everywhere I go. I'm an ambassador. I say what he wants me to say. I do what he wants me to do. That's what an ambassador does. Not representing themselves. They're representing somebody higher than them. And God's called each and every one of us, if we're a child of God, to be his ambassadors. So we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I'm on a mission. I got a job to do. I'm carrying good news. And I, I got to share it with everybody who will listen. I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. I'm tired of just sitting around and mourning death. Amen? I'm, I'm a carrier of life. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus Christ gave his life for you so that you can have true life in him. And I'm going to walk in this passion that he had. I'm going to let his anger rise up inside of me, get me back on track, get me thinking like I should be thinking, not distracted, not, not turning to the right or left, not being pulled off course by culture. I don't know if you've heard about the Centralia Mine Fire. It's in Pennsylvania. It's in the borough of Centralia, Pennsylvania. It's a coal seam fire that has been burning underneath Centralia since at least May 27, 1962. Anybody heard about that? Okay. That was news to me. I, I had never heard of this before. And the fire suspected to be from deliberate burning of trash in a former strip mine, which ignited this coal seam. And the fire burns in, in underground coal mines at depths of up to 300 feet for an, over an eight-mile stretch of 3,700 acres. And as of this year, 2017, the fire continues to burn. It has burned for more than 53 years, and at its current rate, it could burn for over 250 more years. What's interesting is the blaze has resulted in most of the town being abandoned. Makes sense, right? Who wants to live on top of a burning underground fire? The population dwindled from 2,761 in 1890 to only seven in 2013. I don't know how many people live there now. Most of the buildings have been leveled. And I got to thinking about that, and, and, you know, sin does that. It's an underground thing in your life. It's just a constant burning, and you, you can't put it out. You can't. You don't have the power or the ability to do that. There's only one who does, and that's Jesus Christ. And what happens is, over a period of time, you start abandoning everything. You abandon your dreams, your hopes, your plans. Everything just kind of, it goes like deserted. 
And you're sitting there wondering, well, what, what's going on? And there's this fire deep down inside that seemingly can't be quenched. But I'm here to tell you today, there's some good news. Because there's a God who paid the price for that. There's a God who can quench that fire. There's a God who can set you free. There is a God who sacrificed his own son for you to live. In fact, just bow your heads with me, please, for a moment. Because I want to pray for you today. But before I pray, I, I want to ask you, if you'd like that fire quenched, if you'd like that fire to go out, you'd like that sin to be taken care of, if you'd like Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life and to set you free and, and give you brand new life in him, if that's you this morning, I want you just to raise up a hand. I'm going to pray for you today. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Yes, yes, yes. Someone else? Yeah, in the back? Uh-huh. Another one? Anybody else? You don't want to miss this. Because God wants to, he wants to bring new life to you. Yes, sir. Someone else. You want to find that freedom today. Let's stand together. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray together. And God's going to do a miraculous work in your life. What was dead is going to be brought back to life. You're going to become a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. All the old is going to pass away. The, the new is coming. And you're going to become a carrier of this good news. If you raised your hand or if you didn't and you wanted to, I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me. Because God's going to change you. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So pray this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today, and I thank you that you have the ability to wipe out this fire that's burning deep inside of me. You have the ability and the will to clean out my sin and to give me a brand new start. And so today, I declare with my mouth that Jesus Christ is my Lord. And I believe, God, you raised him from the dead. And I will spend eternity with you in heaven. I love you, Lord. And I thank you for this brand new life. Lord, I will be on mission now because you have set me free. You have set me free. And I thank you. With all my heart.